Hello, Madison Story Slam friends, listeners, people. Maybe it might be your first time. I don't know. Welcome to the show. I am Adam Rosted. I host this thing that we call Madison Story Slam, and you guys are my favorite people in the world. I trust that you're doing well and feeling fine, and you're ready to hear some great stories. Stories on this episode of the podcast are from our January 20th, 2018 event, and the theme that night was liar liar so there's a lot of great stories about lies and sex and videotapes i I don't think there's any stories about sex or videotapes there might be i i actually don't remember i'm doing this a few weeks after the slam uh or maybe just a week after i i don't know it's you know life blurs together sometimes but i tell you what we've got some exciting things going on with madison story slam first up i should tell you we are releasing two new best of cds in the month of February. That's right. This very month, we're releasing two new CDs full of the best stories we've ever had at Madison Story Slam. And you can get those CDs at one of our events starting February 8th. I know. I said they wouldn't be released till February 17th. So we're doing like a soft release because on February 8th, we are teaming up with Wisconsin Public Television to do a story slam for their gardening expo that they do every year. So on February 8th at the Frequency in Madison, we are doing a story slam with the theme Resilience in Gardening. Don't ask me what kind of stories we're going to hear. I'm really not sure, but I am excited. I'm excited for a different venue. I'm excited to see what kind of people show up. And I'm excited because you could come and buy one of the new CDs or both. It's 10 bucks a piece, and if you buy both, I, I will cut you a deal. You won't have to pay 20 I'll figure out some price for the both of them, and you'll just be so happy to have these amazing stories. If you can't come on February 8th, don't worry. Worry? Don't worry. Because on February 17th, that's Saturday, February 17th, we will be doing our normal scheduled story slam at the wilmar center and the theme that night is there will be blood and you can also get the best of cds while you're there so we've got two exciting events coming up and i i I gotta tell you guys i'm just so excited please come to the february 8th event if you are a regular at our normally scheduled events come to this one let's show that wisconsin public television let's show them that they chose the right people and that this is such a cool event and that they should work with us in the future. That would be amazing. I'm starting to ramble. I'm so sorry. I hear the music starting to get whatever. Anyway, we've got tons of great stories on this episode of Madison Story Slam. So enough of me babbling. Let's just sit back, relax, and hear some stories. So please put your hands together for Kelsey Pedersen. Hi, so uh, the year leading up to my 23rd birthday, I made a lot of really terrible choices and I did a lot of really dumb things. Um, And I now know, um, I've since been diagnosed with bipolar disorder, so I understand that I was spending a year mostly in a manic state, so it makes a lot of sense. Um, But I'm shouldering responsibility for the decisions that I made in that year. But just for some context, here's some other shit that wasn't my fault that was going on that was leading me to this. So, and manic states are like, really, you're just constantly lying to yourself because you're just thinking that your decisions don't have consequences um, or they do have consequences and you don't care. Um, 
So some of the things that were happening in my life, I had just graduated college, and it was becoming clear that all of my friends were going to leave Madison, and I was going to be the only one here, and I was sad about that. Um, I had a job, but it was just a temp job, and I thought that they were going to hire me on, but it wasn't for sure. Um, and my college boyfriend had broken up with me, but we spent an entire year of him showing up at my apartment at 2 o'clock in the morning with like a nacho cheese chalupa to bribe me to have sex with him, <laughs> which worked <laughs> every time. And for, the, for those of you who... Side note, for those of you who heard my last story where I had a panic attack on a plane because I wanted a Chipotle burrito bowl, I am aware that I have a problem with Mexican food and I'm working on it. So I made a lot of decisions that were poor in this time period. Some of them were a lot of fun. Um, I went on a 71-day drinking streak with my best friends. That was amazing. Um, thank you for the claps. I loved it. Uh, I, um, I stole an entire set of pint glasses from every single bar on State Street. I spent a, a disproportionate amount of my income on Qdoba nachos. Again, I really love Mexican food, okay? Even if it's not real. Um, but one really bad decision I made was uh, this particular apartment that I picked out. Uh, because I had this temp job and I wasn't sure how long I was going to be there. Um, so I found this apartment on Craigslist. It was a three-bedroom apartment, and every bedroom was a separate lease. So I was moving into this bedroom with a bunch of people that I didn't know. So that was like a medium bad decision, but it was cheap, so I understood. And it was downtown. Um, but the really bad decision was that I ended up dating one of the guys who lived in the other room. Um, and this guy's name was J-Mac, which should give you a pretty good idea <laughs> of the kind of guy that he was. But just to level set, he was a frat guy. He was like a million feet taller than me. Um, he, we didn't have cable. He owned one DVD. It was the only thing he watched. It was Step Brothers with Will Ferrell. <laughs> he, he kept multiple extra pairs of flip-flops in his trunk because every single summer he lost his flip-flops at a Dave Matthews Band concert. Um, like this is, oh, and he like expressed that he was a great cook, but the only thing he ever did was like taco nights courtesy of like a Ortega seasoning packet and a boxed rice dinner. And again, with the Mexican food, like this really bothered me, okay? So this is the kind of douchebag I'm dating. And I live with him. And it, it was really fun. Like we partied a lot. We had a lot of good times. And then a couple weeks in, I, maybe about a month in, I was like, hey, like I don't want to be with you anymore. And he kind of went off the deep end and started doing a ton of coke. And he would come home in the middle of the night and um, slam me up against walls because I wouldn't have sex with him. Um, and so I started, I was sitting in my room every night and I would barricade the door shut with all my moving boxes that I never unpacked. And he would sit outside the door and say things like, oh, he's a master manipulator. He would say things like, oh, you're never gonna amount to anything because no one will ever love you because you only eat Mexican food, etc." <laughs> Things like that. He was really good at like, getting in my head. So one night, finally, I was like, I'm just going to go out without him and do my own thing. So I went out downtown, got drunk with my friends, decided to get in a cab um, to go back to our apartment. And I get in the cab, and there's something in the back seat. And so I tell the cab driver, I'm like, hey, like, there's something back here. Someone left something. And he's like, oh, let me turn on the light. So he turns on the light, and I realize it is a bag of weed. So herein comes the lie, because I'm like, oh, just kidding, that's actually mine. So I just like take the weed, I'm drunk, I go home and I'm like, you know what, 
if I am gonna have a night to myself without this douchebag, I'm gonna do it up. So I, I like open up my moving box, I dig out my old pipe, I pack a bowl, I smoke it. I don't know what happened the rest of the night. I, I woke up the next morning, it was, the sun was coming into my bedroom, Third Eye Blind was blasting, which is kind of my MO. Um, and I look over at the door and it's barricaded, so I'm like, perfect, he didn't get in. Um, but I can hear him screaming and he goes, Kelswa, which is what he called me, which is really obnoxious. Um, Kelswa, we're not gonna be able to have taco night tonight because the shredded cheese is gone. And I was like, oh shit. And I look over in my bed and there's a plate of strawberry tops, an empty bag of shredded cheese, and my vibrator. And I was like, Again, if I'm going to have a night without this douchebag, I'm going to do it up. So I did. And that was kind of the first, the first night slash morning in a series of mornings where I finally got the courage and I was like, you know what, you need to stop lying to yourself. This is not an okay situation to live in. And a few weeks later, um, Saturday morning, I waited for him to go to the grocery store and get his Saturday morning donut and ingredients for taco night. And the second his car pulled out of the driveway, my dad pulled around the block in a big cube truck, and me and my dad and my stepdad raced all of my boxes out of the apartment. We moved out, we didn't tell him that I left. I got my own apartment. I could do whatever I wanted in it. I got cats. I named them ridiculous things because nobody could tell me not to. The cats and I ate a lot of strawberries. We ate a lot of shredded cheese. Um, we like fell in love with the guy from Pizza Hut. And one day I, I came home. Um, I came home and Vody, one of my cats with a ridiculous name, Vody, um, she was like dragging that vibrator out of my bedroom. And I was like, okay, that's kind of weird. And I just got, I got rid of it. I got a new vibrator, and the cats and I lived happily ever after. Thank you, Kelsey. Uh, I, I thought we were safe. <laughs> I have chosen themes that have, like, induced vibrator stories. I didn't think the lion theme was... <laughs> not that I mind. Not that I'm into it either. I, I'm going to stop talking. Our next storyteller has told many wonderful stories at Madison Story Slam. One about faking a story to get onto Jerry Springer. Please put your hands together for Shauna Youngdahl. Thank you, I'll do anything for that camera time. And I also thought I was the only one that felt that way about strawberries, but I'm glad I'm not the only one. Oh, not the only creep. Um, you know you're not the only ones either. Um, so earlier last year, um, I met a guy. Oh my God, it's gonna be one of those stories. Strap yourselves in. Um, I met a guy and it takes a lot for me to like somebody and to try to get out of my comfort zone and want to connect with somebody on that type of level. Not saying that I don't, I don't want to, it's just one of those little vulnerability things that I say like, oh, you're a person? I'm a person? Should we start connecting? I don't want to do that with too many people because there's just a lot involved and I'm, I just have recognized that I don't feel comfortable with that in a lot of senses. But I met this guy and we had met in a really cool environment, struck up a really cool conversation, and I thought, Let's get this party started. Let's see where this can go. And I really wanted to get to know him. 
And uh, we shared a lot of really cool things in common. My absolute favorite television show, bar none, The Simpsons. And he loves The Simpsons, too. And if somebody loves The Simpsons, it's saying that you love everything about me. You don't know me, but it's like you're saying everything. you love everything about me. Because The Simpsons basically raised me. I am The Simpsons. So... He loved The Simpsons. We both love punk music. We both love all these other things. So I'm just like, dude, is this guy like made for me? He is like my self-constructed Lego. And I fucking love Legos. I don't do shit with Legos. I won't talk about vibrators and Legos, but <laughs> talk to me about it later on tonight. Um, so... Me and this guy connected. Unfortunately, it was a long-distance type of relationship. I'm up here in Madison, and he's down wherever the hell he wants to be. But um, we stayed getting connected, even though distance always sucks with things. And even though we had so much in common, and we spoke every single day, like day in and day out, even though I was working all day long, and my manager would be like, oh, are you making work connections on your phone? And I would say, no, boss. I'm just going to be truthful with you. I'd rather do anything than work for you right now. I'm talking to a man who is my Lego. Um, we'd be having all these great conversations, and he would tell me all about himself, and I came to realize that this is one of those people that has a lot of really cool experiences. And you meet these people in your life, and you look at them and think like, shit, this person has lived. Now, I don't want to give him too much credit. I don't want to give him, bloat up his ego too much and be like, he has scaled the wall of China and jumped out of Mount Everest and into the Dead Sea or some shit like that. I just throw out a lot of landmark names. I don't know if you can do anything with all of that. But... He's like travel, he's gone to a lot of different states, like traveled a lot, been to a lot of different places, met a lot of really cool people, had a lot of really good experiences. And so hearing his life, his story has always really intrigued me and interested me. And he has never had an issue with sharing his stories with me either. And so our conversations would always be filled with his life, his, his life now, his life in his past, and his dreams for his, his future as well. But then when you'd flip the script, and then little Shauna would go in to introduce herself and say like, oh, let me tell you about myself, about where I've been and all my shit going on. I would never be met with the same type of reciprocated interest or excitement that I would give him when he would share his life with me. So let's say I would try to tell him about my famed Jerry Springer experience and he would just meet me back with, oh, that's pretty cool. And no more questions, no more real excited interest that someone that you're trying to make a connection with or someone that you're in a relationship with is, you know, you're expected to receive from someone. So this would happen all the time. We'd, you know, we'd be texting each other or we, when we'd be going to visit each other. We'd have these great conversations, but it would always be dominated by his life, all of his experiences, his stories. And anytime I would introduce myself, the conversation would basically just die. And I would come to find, like, this was, like, was hurting me like am I not interesting my self-esteem was like dying right there in the conversation as it died in front of me too I remember one time we were driving around Los Angeles and right as I started to bring something up in the conversation he just turned the radio up and he's like oh I love this song and I'm like dick move buddy fucking ass like I already have a hard enough time sharing my soul with somebody and then sorry rancid trumps me I can't blame him. It was a good song. <laughs> but so as this, as time went on, I, I, I noticed myself stopping 
sharing myself with him and not wanting to share parts of myself because I just really felt like I was not interesting to him. And this hurt me because I want to share myself with somebody. And so I thought, you know, I don't want to just be someone. I don't want to be, uh, I don't want to just be an ear for him to, you know, speak to. I want to be someone who engages in conversation. I'm not his living, breathing, smarter child, if anyone knows what that is. Oh, God, I'm not that old. AIM, smarter child's amazing. Um, they killed it, so maybe it's not even alive. But so what I engaged in doing was I decided if he doesn't think I'm interesting, Let's kick this shit up a notch and give him someone that he might find interesting. So he's someone that, I, like I said, he does shit with his life. And one of the things, for example, that he likes is kombucha. We're in Madison, everyone fucking knows kombucha. And he's like used to brew kombucha. He fucking doesn't stop talking about fucking kombucha. He is kombucha. I think he sweats kombucha. I don't fucking, like that's vinegar. You're not supposed to have that shit coming out of your skin. But like I had never tried it, like but before, like all now. And so, and I know, I'm sorry if that's like a sin. Um, but I would text, I start texting him being like, hey man, you ever had that one kombucha brand? Kombucha, good for you. X, shit, I don't fucking know. I'd go to Target and find this shit. And he'd be like, oh yeah, I've had it before, blah, 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 blah. And I'd be like, a fucking course you have. You've done everything, asshole. But I'd start t- talking to him about kombucha. And I've never fucking tasted kombucha before, but I'd be like, I'm, I'm cool now. I'm, I'm, I'm one of you. And then I'd start telling him about, like, I'd start making up stories about things that I'd do in my life because he's, like, super artsy. He's super into, like, performance shit. Like, he's a living, breathing, like, man, Lady Gaga, but even more emotional than that. And be like, my Friday night would be spent maybe going to, like, high noon and staying for an hour until I'd get too tired and go home at 9 p.m. But instead, I'd be like, oh, Friday, I went to this really hipster art show, and they... Um, mutilated a, a, a paper mache robot and had sprayed blood on everyone and then afterwards I brewed some kombucha and took a tandem bike ride across the capital at midnight and I stayed up until two in the morning because he knew I was like notorious for falling asleep at like 8.30 p.m. And so I would just keep on like saying these things to him, like making up all of these stories, like making up this false life of myself in hopes that he's interested and he'll like express like this excitement for me all of a sudden, but I still just didn't get anything from him. And this just went on for a while until one day, not too long ago, I woke up and I was, I was just tired. And not in a sense where I'm just like, fuck, I didn't get enough sleep. But I was just exhausted of being this person, doing this bullshit that was so unnecessary for this person, for this, for any reason. And I just thought to myself, like, what the fuck am I doing right now? Who the fuck am I doing this for? And why, why did I choose to start doing this in the first place? felt like I was losing who I am. And it hurt me so much. Because the way he made me feel about not expressing interest in my life and anything that I could be sharing with him made me feel that I wasn't an interesting person at all. And that is fucking bullshit, okay? 
Because we come to these story slams, we are living, breathing people who have stories to share, no matter if we have scaled Mount Everest, no matter if we stayed up for 72 hours straight watching The Lost Marathon, even though we've seen the show like five times in a row already. I fucking love Lost. I've done that many times. And so I'm sitting in my bed being like, he is making me feel like I am like the most boring person in the world when I fucking, I've fucking been on Jerry Springer. I've been fired from a job for pushing carts half in the nude. Has this man, has this man even have ever attempted doing these things? Like what, is, what does he have to show for his life? And I'm thinking back on all of my life, all of my experiences, things that I can't even like, my, can't even fit in my brain right now because like my brain's just like, stop fucking doing all the weird shit that you do, Sean. It's too much for me to even fucking handle right now. And I'm sitting here thinking I have to make up enjoying fucking kombucha. I tried kombucha and I don't like that shit. I don't get it. I choked on a scoby and puked it up in the middle of Willie Street like two weeks ago. I don't understand what it is and how you brew it. I'm not getting into it. So I'm just sitting in bed and I'm like, you know what? Fuck this guy. I'm living for me. And if this guy isn't all gun-ho for it, that's cool. He can be all gun-ho for somebody else because I'm gun-ho for me. As we all should be gun-ho for each other and gun ho for ourselves, because if someone can't see the coolness that each of us are, how badass each of us are, even though maybe we're not someone, the perfect someone each of us thinks that the other person has to be, respect each other is the only other thing I can say. But don't change yourself just to fit into what, some, what you think someone wants you to be. Be who you want to be. Whether or not that means you like fucking kombucha. Thanks. That's really cool. Do you remember when she's talking about the guy that that's how he responded to her stories? Thank you, Shauna. Our next storyteller is a wonderful story storyteller, so please put your hands together for Gwyneth Dolap. All right, so I've been walking around my whole life telling everyone very proudly that I'm Dutch, which is true on paper, but then they say, well, how long did you live in the Netherlands? And I'm like, one year. And then we moved to America. So although I'm Dutch on paper and I have two passports, I'm not really Dutch, but I really want to be Dutch. And I'm the only person in my family who doesn't speak. So when I came to college, I said, I'm going to take Dutch classes and I'm going to learn. And if I'm going to do this, I've got to do it all the way. And everyone was like, this is a terrible idea. My parents were like, who would you speak Dutch to? And I'm like, the whole family? Like... <laughs> I don't know, um, but they're like, learn Spanish, it's useful, but I learned Dutch, and I thought I would just like take two years of it, get the credits out of the way, uh, and stop with it, but then my professor said, well, you're, you're getting good, like, you should go, and I was like, what, go to the Netherlands? I can't afford that, she's like, well, we can find a way, and my parents said, no, you can't afford that, we can't do that, I'm sorry, like, you could go stay with family sometime, but I don't think it's going to happen. But I really wanted to go, so I applied to like 15 scholarships, and by some crazy chance, I actually got like all of them, so I went. <laughs> so in July, I got on a plane, 
um, and I went to Utrecht. And the night before, I had said goodbye to my friends, and they knew how important this was for me. And I said, I'm, I'm going to go, and I might not really be in touch with you guys. Like, I've got to go, and I've got to do this on my own. I got to a point in my college career where I was kind of feeling pretty disengaged with a lot of things, and Dutch was one of the things I still had, because it's a really repetitive thing, you know, you're just like quizzing vocab, and I'm like, I can do that. So I said, I might not talk to you guys for a while, um, but I'm going to come back, okay? And they said, okay, just come back. <laughs> and I get there, and I'm having a great time, but the only issue is I was placed at an international school, so not a lot of people speak Dutch. And I'm like, that's like the whole point of being here. Um, but I meet this guy, and he's Dutch, which is good. And he, he slips into my WhatsApp, which is what everyone uses over there, and we start talking in Dutch, which is good. Um, and he studied linguistics, so he corrects all of my grammar mistakes, which other people might find very annoying, but was very, very helpful to me. Uh, so when he said, have you seen an afspraak met metmaken? Which translates to, would you like to make an appointment with me? Which is like a very Dutch way of asking someone out. I thought about saying no, because I thought, you know, I shouldn't really get involved with someone. But then I thought, you know, I've watched like 40 hours of Peppa Pig in Dutch. And I have all this great vocabulary, and I didn't come this far to not talk to a Dutch person, so I'm going to go. So I go, and I have never been so academically prepared for a date. You know? We're talking coalition government, like feminist policy in the Netherlands, uh, politics, water, and how it's going to flood the whole country, you know? In Dutch, and I like don't have vocabulary for all this, so I'm like making up words, but he's going with it. And I have a really good time. And I'm starting to feel that spark that I used to felt like back at the beginning of college. So when he asks me out again, I actually say yes. And he said, okay, great, let's go out for dinner. My treat, uh, we're going to go to a place called Hoosting, which translates to indulgence in Flemish. And I was like, oh, sounds fancy. Um, and wanting to be prepared... I looked up the menu because I don't know all the words, but I didn't want him to know that. So I translate the whole menu, and I memorize it, and I know exactly what I'm going to get. But I notice, as I'm reading the menu, that it's really fancy food. And it's like 30 euros a plate. And I'm like, ooh, what? <laughs> but and I thought about canceling because I'm like, I can't let someone pay like 30 euros for me for dinner. Uh, but then I said no, we came this far, we didn't come this far not to go on this date. So we go, and we're the only people under the age of 65, and it's quickly, it's quickly clear to me that he did not know that it was this kind of restaurant. But I just go with it, because I'm like, we're here, like, we can't just leave. So I, like, ordered the roast quail, like, I always do that. Like, it's very normal, and I'm thinking in my head, like, don't say that, like, you used to sleep in your car on vacation. Like, be a normal, sophisticated Dutch woman. Like, it'll be fine. And I, you know, we loosen up throughout the night and we, we get over it. And later I say, like, that was really expensive. And he's like, I know. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. But we stay up to like 11 a.m. the next day. We spend like the whole night drinking South African wine. And I, it was like the best date of my life. So we start seeing each other. But I'm trying to keep it light because... I'm leaving in like four months. Um, so I'm just trying to keep it easy. But then one night he turns to me and he says, 
Ik ben verliefd op jou. And I knew what that meant, but I'm like, there must be a translation issue here. Like, maybe he means something else. Because I'd had a lot of language mistakes in my months there. <laughs> like, I was going around for a while sending my emails and signing them uh, met vriendelijke goed instead of met vriendelijke goed. So I was saying, like, with great fear. I was signing my paper. I meant with, like, warm regards, but no one corrected me. It's fine. <laughs> but then he says it in English, and he says, I'm in love with you. And then I had to go all in, because I'm like, well, we didn't come this far <laughs> to not go all in. And I know we only have four months left, but... That's what we have, so I'm going to use the time. And we have a great time. But my friend texts me, and she says, I know you wanted some space, but I just want to check in. How are you doing? Are you liking it? Have you met anyone? And normally I would tell her. You know, I tell my friends everything. But I don't know how to this time, because I don't feel like I can tell her what I'm going through, that my words will fail me. Like, I'm looking at poetry and artists, and I'm going to all these museums of all these people who take these special moments and they set them out there, and people feel something, and I just have my words, and they're not enough. So I don't say anything. I say, like, you know, which is not an answer, and we don't bring it up. And as my flight home gets closer, I get increasingly sad to the point where I'm like crying like so much that I just have to go on with my day, like it's just part of who I am. Like I'm in the grocery store like buying stropoffles and they're like, are you okay? And I'm like, I'm fine, I just love the cuisine. <laughs> like, <laughs> don't worry about me. And you know, and I'm, I'm really upset. And my psych professor's last lecture is about goodbyes. <laughs> and he says, goodbyes are so important and you should not rob yourself of a goodbye which I took the wrong way. He meant like emotionally process things and accept them. And I took it as an excuse to have the most extravagant goodbye ever. <laughs> um, because what my professor didn't know was that I still had all this scholarship money because I'd been living pretty cheaply. So I said, okay, I'm gonna go all out. So I call up the fanciest hotel in my birth town and mevrouw, because it's like a very formal place. They probably think I'm like 40 years old. And they're like, we have, we have three different rooms, types. We have the standard room, uh, the standard deluxe, and the superior deluxe. And I'm like, that one, except, you know, I said it like I was a woman with money. So I was like, oh, of course I would like the superior deluxe. Thank you, Val. So we get the superior deluxe room. And we come, and they're really confused because it's, like, reserved under American car, but I speak Dutch, and I'm not old enough to be staying there. Like, I'm old enough, but, like, everyone else has, like, money. Um, <laughs> and I don't. Um, and we go out to dinner, and I say, we'll go wherever you want. Like, there's no price on this. I have a hat in my hand is what we say in the Netherlands. I have a hole in my hand. Like, the money's just falling through it. Um, so we get a five-course meal, which I didn't know was a thing. Like... I was like, how many courses can there be? Like, like, what are the courses? I'm like, soup, like, dinner, dessert. But there's, like, extra ones in there. And it's really good. We have a really good last day. It's sunny for the first time in, like, four months. 
Um, but then the next day is Monday, and we take the train home, and that's it. And on the train, we read the newspaper, and the newspaper says, today is Blue Monday. It's the worst Monday of the year. And I'm like, you're right. It is the worst Monday of the year. But you missed an important reason why. And, you know, I'm, like, laughing a little, but I'm also crying. And we say goodbye. And he rides away on his bike, and that's the last time I saw him. Um, so then last Wednesday, I got on a plane, and I came back, and no one knew. I hadn't told anyone. I didn't know how to tell anyone because I wanted to tell people, but I wanted them to feel it, and I wanted them to think that it was as much as I thought it was. And I'm sitting in my kitchen in my co-op, and my four-year-old housemate comes up to me, and she climbs up on my lap, and she said, Gwen, you've been gone so long. I said, I know, Stella. I had some stuff I needed to do. She says, you look really sad. I said, I am really sad, Stella, but I'm also really happy. And she hugged me. And I knew in that moment that I could tell people this story, because even though my words will always fail me, I'll never be able to tell people what it felt like. I still had that, and I still think that it's worth sharing. Thank you. Well, there has been some telling of untruths so far on this episode of Story Slam. Hey, just a reminder that on February 8th and February 17th, we have Story Slams coming up. On the 8th, we're at The Frequency, teaming up with Wisconsin Public Television for the Resilience in Gardening Story Slam. And then on Saturday, February 17th at the Wilmar, we will have our regularly scheduled Story Slam. The theme then is There Will Be Blood. So come tell some great stories. Uh, That one, as all of our ones at the Wilmar Center, is sponsored by Ale Asylum. Speaking of sponsors and things that help us support doing what we're doing, if you would like to sponsor what we're doing, you can head to patreon.com slash madisonstoryslam. Patreon is a site where you can financially support the free things that you enjoy. We commit to always being free. Our events will be free. Our podcast will always come out for free. But if you feel encouraged or the need to help us grow what we're doing to move into merch and maybe some more video stuff, uh, that is how you can do it. You pledge monthly to the things you enjoy and we would love you for it. We love you anyways, but we would love you for that too. Anyway, let's go back to some stories. Our next storyteller is on both of our next upcoming Best of CDs. So please put your hands together for Mel Hammond. A couple years ago, I was training for a half Ironman. I was doing a lot of swimming, running, and biking. Um, and I had been training for seven months. Um, the, the Ironman was in July over in Racine. Um, that, during that time, I also joined um, a Frisbee league. And I had never done Frisbee before and assumed I would love it. Um, I hated it. It was one of the <laughs> worst things I've ever done. Um, the third game, um, this was about a month before the, the Half Iron Man race was going to be. Um, I collided with another player, and my ankle 
twisted underneath me and I fell on the ground um, and just started crying. <laughs> um, and it was like the worst pain. And you know, when you get like really nauseous where you know like something really bad happened. Um, so uh, some players like pull me off the field and I'm just sitting on the grass staring at my throbbing ankle which is like slowly inflating to small balloon size. Um, and I tell myself the first of many lies, which is that I am still going to do that half Ironman in a month. Um, I'll, I'll maybe be out for like a week or so, um, but I'm still going to do that race because I had been training for so long. So um, I uh, try like standing up and walking, but it's very tender and I cannot put weight on it yet. So um, I, it's my right foot so even if I could get to the to, to my car um, I used this one to push the pedals so was not gonna be able to drive home so called my friend and she came to pick me up and drove me home and she got me set up in like a chair with an ice pack and I was like as soon as I get some ice on this I'm gonna be just fine just get a little ace bandage on there it'll be great so my friend leaves um, I assure her that everything's gonna be fine um, and I, I sit in that chair with my ice pack for an hour or two. I can still not put weight on this ankle. I lived in a loft at that time, so the living room and the kitchen were on the ground floor, and then there were stairs that went up to my bedroom and the bathroom. So um, <laughs> um, I, I had been drinking a lot of water because I was doing a sport, and... Um, <laughs> I, I had to pee, um, and also my, my Tylenol was up there, so um, I did not think to ask my friend to get that before she left. So I, <laughs> I like, crawl out of the chair. Um, I didn't have any, like, long poles within, like, reaching distance, so I, like, dragged myself on the floor, and then, like, when I got to the stairs, I would, like, prop my butt up on one step and then, like, drag myself up to the next step. And so I had, like, pulled myself up to the bathroom, did what I needed to do, and I told myself, okay, maybe two weeks I'll be out of training, but I am still going to do this half Ironman. The next morning, um, not only do I not have a car because it's still at the park where I sprained my ankle, or... I injured myself, sorry, I didn't know it was sprained yet. Um, my car was still there, so I couldn't go to work. So I called in, I was like, I don't think I can come today. Um, I still could not put weight on it. So I called um, the urgent care, and they're like, um, you can come in at 11 o'clock. So that's one thing I didn't really know about urgent care. You have to make an appointment and then just sit and wait until it's your turn, um, which is a really long time when you can't move um, so, didn't have a car, all my friends were at work, so I couldn't ask anyone for a ride. So I called an Uber. Um, the thing about the Uber was I still had to get outside of my apartment to meet them. So, you know, I'm just sitting in my apartment all morning with my leg elevated and trying to think how I'm going to um, get out of the door, down the hallway, up the steps, and then down to the parking lot, and then down some more steps. So I found, um, I found a hiking pole um, 
it had once been a hiking pole, but because I lived in a loft, my, my ceiling was really, really high, and there was a fan up there, and it gathered a lot of dust. So at some point in time, like during one of the rare occasions when I cleaned, I had duct taped a feather duster to this hiking pole so that I could reach over from my loft and clean the fan. So this was the only thing I had <laughs> um, that was like any sort of crutch-like object. So I, I take this feather duster hiking pole, and I duct taped it so good. I could not get it off. Um, so I, like with one hiking pole, I am like balancing on one foot and like hopping down the hallway, up a set of steps, and then down a set of other steps. And I, I wait there for the Uber. Um, he arrives. Strangely, he has no questions at all. <laughs> I get in the Uber. He takes me to the urgent care. I'm thinking, okay, maybe I'm not going to be able to train at all for this half Ironman anymore, but on the day of that race, I'm going to be there, and I'm going to do it. I don't care how much pain I'm in. I'll put, I'll put on whatever kind of bandage I need to put on, but I'm going to do it. Takes me to the urgent care. I hobble in with my feather duster. Um, they immediately bring me a wheelchair um, and push me where I need to go. And um, they take an x-ray. It's not broken, but it is very sprained. Um, so they give me some crutches, and they set me up with the physical therapist. And I let them know like pretty early on, hey, I've got this race coming up. I really got to do this race. And they kind of like, Pfft laughed. Um, but I'm like, no, you don't, you don't know me. Um, so um, again, I told myself another lie. When they set me up with the physical therapist, I'm going to do those exercises so good. Like this is, I'm going to be the best physical therapy patient they've ever seen. <sighs> Huge lie. Um, so <laughs> I, I have crutches. I've got a boot, um, which is cool. Um, I I can, like, walk with the boot. It hurts a lot to walk. Um, but I um, have the crutches. I Uber to the park where my car is. And um, that was the summer where I um, still drove with the boot on my right foot. But it was so heavy that I had to, like, physically lift my leg with my hands to, like, push the gas or the, um, or the brake. I didn't hurt anyone. I'm not really proud of that summer of driving. Um, <laughs> um, but anyway, so I, I went to the physical therapist. She gave me some exercises that I could do before I could even put weight on it, put weight on my ankle. Um, and I told her about my goal to do the half Ironman. She was like, you 100% cannot do that. Um, <laughs> So I said, okay, let's make another goal. So I made another goal, which was to run a marathon in that November. So I had like six, five months to do that, to train for that. Um, so I took home my, my sheet of exercises, um, and I had my, like, my special stretchy band where I'm supposed to do all the, the stretches and the exercises with it. And then I had another appointment for the physical therapist a, a week after that. I didn't do my exercises until the hour before I was supposed to go to the physical therapist. And during that time, I did um, all seven days' worth all at once. 
and I went and the physical therapist asked, how often are you doing these exercises? And I said, once a day. <laughs> and she said, oh, you know, that might even be too much. You better, you better tone it down to every other day. And I was like, yes. I did not run that marathon <laughs> in November, but I did do a half because I did about half or less of the exercises. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you, Mel. Uh, Fran Du, if you want to start making your way up here. Um, I want to share a little story that I hope Fran Du doesn't mind me sharing. Um, one thing I love about Story Slam and this community is that it is a community. Fran Du started coming to Story Slam sometime last year or last season, and was telling stories regularly. And on the very last Story Slam last year, we had a, we had a small misunderstanding. Would you say that's fair, Frandu, a small misunderstanding? Yes. And it got really heated. And it was bad. We, we ended on really bad terms. And, uh, and I felt bad for months. And I ran into him a couple months ago now. And... Uh, so here's what I love about community. We, we have the option as a community to just let shitty things happen and like keep them there as shitty things. Or you can go to another member in your community who you have a misunderstanding with and make it right. And so I saw Fran do it at an event and after the event, we, I stepped, he was outside and so I stepped outside and I said, hey, can I just talk with you? And we just hashed it out as normal human beings. It's not this scary thing that it, listen, it, it, things ended horribly between Frandu and I last year. And it was scary, the thought of trying to make it right with him. But in that process, that fear goes away. And I love Frandu. We hugged, we cried, and, and I said, you've got to come back to Story Slam. So for the first time again, since then, I'm very happy that he's here. So, Frandu, can you come up here real quick so I can get this at the right height for you? Step up, step up a little bit. I'm going to go down just a little bit more. All right, let me introduce you quick. So, all that said, our next storyteller is a wonderful comedian in Madison. You can find him often at the Comedy Club on State and other venues where comedy happens. He had his own one-man show last year. Was that last year? Yeah. And it, I didn't go, but I hear it was amazing. It was. <laughs> so all that said, please put your hands together for Frandu. <laughs> I suppose it's easier to mend things when you do not lie. But you always think not. You always think, no, lying is best. <laughs> it turns out that what's worst is not saying anything. And you live, you live for years, like not knowing, just because you don't say anything. It's surreal. 
surreal. And you go to work and you come back from work and everything is okay. <laughs> and then you have kids and the kids help a lot. Because you know, you're playing with the kids and This last two, three weeks, I decided I was not going to be with anybody throughout Christmas or New Year's or the week in between or whatever days you have off and just wanted to be alone. And I turned off the phone and got off of Facebook and didn't text anything and didn't do anything. And I looked at myself. It turns out I lie a lot. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. And I lie a lot to myself. That's the absolutely most flabbergasted thing, you know? That's like, really? Wow! I'm, I'm, I'm being alone, then you can just... Anything, right? You don't have to take a shower. You can order pizza, eat the whole pie. <laughs> Have your ice cream and don't get up from bed till like 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, yeah. Nobody says anything. You can scratch your butt. <laughs> As you go to the bathroom. You can sit on the toilet and moan about your broken heart while you poop. And it feels better. <laughs> you come out of the toilet stronger. <laughs> and then you say to yourself, ah, it's over. I'll go take the shower. And then you take the shower and boom, you start to weep again. <laughs> oh, broken hearts. Ah. They're so freaking awesome. Because I like torture. I don't know about you. <laughs> torture is good. Makes the body... It's like, it's like throwing... You know, you're taking a nice, hot, warm shower, and then you, like, turn, throw the cold water on you. All of a sudden, you're like... Ah! It's torture. It's good torture. That's why I stayed away from everybody for three weeks because I knew that when I look at myself, I'm going to be the biggest freaking critic because people don't criticize me. They go, oh, great job, good job. And I am like the comic who invites his friends and his family and he just rocks the place. He kills. It's awesome because they say, hey, that's my kid. And, oh, yeah, he's my best friend. And there's great applause. And you're like, yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's all he does for a while, you know, because why not? Birthday parties, and then he goes to a place where there's just strangers. And people are like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> and he walks through them and looks at them, and they're like, and you say to yourself, oh, they liked it. Look, they're smiling. See, they're not applauding because it's like, you know, they're polite. They don't want to, like, make a big deal out of it, but they liked it. <laughs> That's being confident, you know? Just throwing yourself out there, being the biggest fool, and then, like, oh, they liked it. 
because you only see that. It's like, it's like misery. If you're miserable, then you see misery. And then you're like, oh, he's miserable. Oh, must be good for him. And then you see somebody who's happy and you go, oh my God, he doesn't understand. We have to teach him. That's why the police stab people who are happy. <laughs> Being themselves, not afraid of going against your own self. Being there, present and alive, having your ideas and being able to speak up and say things and just be yourself and those people are like, they're suspicious. Because they can do stuff. They're not afraid. What happened to all the amount of money we spent trying to make these people scared? And here's this guy, and he's not scared. See, that's a, that's, that's a bad investment. That's bad profit. It's not, perilous, it's not paying off. So I learned that when I was a little kid, but I'm an old guy now. <laughs> so you look at yourself and you say, wow, I lied to myself. And you go and you say, wow, I do love and I'm broken hearted and like, oh, what the heck is the broken heart about? Because you lie to yourself so much, you end up going to the freaking neighborhood bar and getting drunk because that's going to drown your pains and it's going to make you happier, happier, happier. And we lie to ourselves going, oh yeah, it's the pill that's going to make me sleep. It's the pill that's going to make this party happen. It's the smoke and the beer that's going to, yes, like, yeah, that's what gives us the stuff. And that's why we're like, yeah, wow. And mostly if you are just having all those little pains and we are used to saying, yeah, you have a pain, a headache, boom, get the pill. You cannot sleep, boom, get this other. And like, ah, and so we go on. Because we're used to believing And it lies everywhere. Just lies. You believe your father and he beats you. You believe the priest and he drinks beer. He, he drinks the blood of Jesus Christ and gets drunk before he does the, the homily and plays with the kids and does weird things and just. Nasty guy, if you go to confess to him, he pulls your, your ear. It's like, oh, we cannot say anything. And then just like, people lie, and then you like learn to like, oh yeah, that's the way to survive. Ah, ah, ah. Because you know, I get to be 60, 55, maybe even younger, 35, 22. 19-year-olds question their life. They come to me and they say, wow, and what about this, and what about that, and I think that the world ought to be, and we want to run, and we want to march, and yes, because we believe, and it's this. So you start to lie. 
because you think that's best. But it turns out that you end up lying to yourself. Because if you really love, if you really love, it's not a broken heart. Who do you love? Why do you love? What moves you? What makes you tick? It's all inside us. Don't look for it out there. We got it. We're complete. We are awesome. The miracle is when we get up in the morning and it is when we go to sleep. We are awesome. We're beautiful. Get up in the mornings, look at yourself in the mirror, turn around, bend over, and admire. <laughs> We're beautiful everywhere. Thank you very much. My name is Frantu. Well, you heard the man. Get up in the morning, look at yourself in the mirror, then turn around, bend over, and admire. Those are words to live by. I, I don't know who should live by them, but they are words to live by. You have to love yourself, and you have to love Frandu. Hey, thanks for tuning in for this episode of Madison Story Slam, with tons of great stories about lying and whatever. I hope you have, uh, if you're new, I hope that you listen to this and it has convinced you to come to one of our storytelling events. We've got two coming up in the month of February. First on Thursday, February 8th at the Frequency for the Gardening Expo one. It's Resilience in Gardening. Come to the Frequency and uh, our new CDs will be there that night. Or if you can't come that night, come Saturday, February 17th at the Wilmar Center. That is our regularly scheduled Story Slam event. We do the third Saturday of every month. And Saturday, February 17th, the theme is There Will Be Blood. So come tell and hear great stories about the gory times of your lives. And and there you can buy the new CDs that are coming out this month. Anyway, thanks for tuning in. As always, you guys are the best, and I love you.